0: Most importantly, I really want to say if you're a longtime follower of Jesus or maybe you're just investigating who Jesus is, I really hope this message encourages you to take your next step in your journey of faith or in your journey of investigating faith. Thanks again for listening. Hey, just a heads up, I want to warn some of you parents that this Swipe Right series may not be suitable for all ages. Some content's going to be graphic in nature, and we're going to try to keep it as real as we can and kind of communicate at street level. So just use discretion with your kids, knowing that some of the subjects um, you may not want to expose your children to if they're really small. So thanks again for listening, and enjoy the message. We're actually, and this is, this is the most awkward transition in the history of church, uh, we're talking about sex and romance, just a quick right turn. Um, And we've been talking about it for three weeks. Uh, Here's what we've said to catch you up. And and man, if you're brand new with this, I'm going to dive right in. So uh, this could be a little awkward for you. This is week three. You're like at the end of the movie. So welcome to Centerpoint. But we've been talking about sex and romance. And one of the the primary things that the enemy wants to do is take what is such a beautiful gift from God and just um, pervert it and distort it. And what was ultimately to actually, and you've, some of you have never heard this, it's going to sound weird, to lead people to worship um, becomes something else entirely. And that's, like, that's really the enemy's primary concern in every area of our life. He wants to take good things and good gifts from God, distort them so that we actually miss God in them. So he takes good drink and wine and he perverts it into alcoholism that actually was designed to lead to worship. He, he takes friendships and leads them into this search for identity that ends up leading us into kind of this prison. Or he takes sex and romance and perverts it into lust and all of a sudden this beautiful and good gift from God becomes something that it's not and we actually, actually miss God in the process. Because he got the ball rolling. He invented it. He created it. It's this good and beautiful gift. And so a couple of the lies that the enemy loves to tell us specifically about sex as we end um, the, uh, what are we doing today? Land in the plane. Um, park in the car. I don't know. I don't know what reference I want to use. We're ending the series today. Um, And what we said is the problem isn't having a sex drive. It's letting sex drive your relationships. And one of the primary lies that we believe is, that kind of moves us down directions that a lot of us wish we could come back from, is that sex is just physical. The sex is just physical. You know, low. we're just, our bodies are just, you're using them to have fun. We're nothing more than that. And sex is nothing more than physical and yet like even if you believe that and i get it like it's unlivable like it's unlivable because um, i don't know what your story is but your emotions and some of the scars that a lot of us have tell us that that's just not true And here's the thing, something happens at a soul level, something happens at a heart level. And here's what um, Solomon said in Proverbs, is that above everything else that you do in your life, you should guard your heart. Like raise your kids, get a job, work in industry, accomplish some stuff. I mean, do do whatever you've been called to do. But above all of that, like top priority on the list, make sure you guard your heart. Make sure you guard your soul. Make sure you guard what's coming in because ultimately, it's going to go out of you. And Solomon says it in these words, that all of life springs from that inner place inside of you. And there's something about sex because it's so powerful. That it does something in our heart. It does something in our soul. Paul, Paul wrote this to a group of people in Corinth, first century. Um, their sexual ethic, like how they viewed sex, it was crazy. And so Paul had to give them some instruction. The message paraphrase says it this way. This is Paul writing to them. He says, there's more to sex than mere skin on skin. Sex is as much spiritual mystery as physical fact. As it is written in scripture, the two they become one. Like it's a big deal. And, and so we've said, like, sex is pleasurable. And by the way, I don't have time to do this. And I couldn't add this to the series because if you think this has been a little bit PG-13, I think to really do this justice, it would be full on R. But there in churches, we 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 want to, like, yeah, I believe that. But in my experience now for a few years doing what I do, there are so many people in bondage around this area. There are so many Jesus followers who need freed up around the area of sex. And we want to believe, yeah, God created it and it's pleasurable, but it's still like there is so much bondage. Like God created it for pleasure, God created it as a good gift. And yet we want to believe that, but you got a bunch of Christians who are like, yeah, yeah, I believe that, but it's the same place, it's the same position. missionary style, because we want to be missional in everything that we do, and we're going to raise little missionaries to preach the gospel, and so it's just, no, 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 just, like, it can just be pleasurable, right? It can, just, like, we can enjoy it as God's good gift, so it's pleasurable, and it is powerful. Like, what Paul is saying is, paraphrase, like, what is made one, it can't be on one. Like, there's an adhesiveness to this beautiful gift that God's given, and it's kind of like a sticky note. The more that you use it, the harder it is to achieve oneness. So, doing what God has not designed it for, like outside of his context, when you start to use it within his context, it's just some of that connectedness, some of that adhesiveness, some of that stickiness, it's just more difficult. Like we said this last week, that every time you engage in any kind of sexual activity, this is how God designed you. You're making a promise with your body, and you don't have to consciously consciously decide that. You're just doing it. For some of us, because it's how sex was designed, you're making a promise, unfortunately, to a computer screen that ends up in addiction. For some of you, it's in multiple relationships. And then all of a sudden that there's just this inability to experience the same kind of power and oneness. And it's not even God punishing. It is just, this is how God designed it. He owns the patent. It is good. It's beautiful, but it's powerful. Like fire does a lot of good. It can also burn stuff down. And so God's going, I want you to follow me in this. I want you to use it the way I've designed. And you just need to know it is It is pleasurable, but it is powerful, and it is more than just physical. And for most of you, for most of you, you may try to deny that, but you already know it. You already know it it does something beyond the physical. I love what what C.S. Lewis said, one of my favorite guys to quote, "The, the monstrosity of sexual intercourse outside of marriage is that those who indulge in it are trying to isolate one kind of union, the sexual, from all other kinds of union which were intended to go along with it and make up The total union. It just wasn't designed that way. And so the second lie that we believe beyond that it's just physical is the second lie is that we can do whatever we want specifically in this area. And if you're not a Jesus follower, you can do whatever you want. Like I have scripture talks, I have no right to tell you how to like live your life or handle your relationships. And I hope you come to know Jesus, but like you can pick and choose. If you're a Jesus follower, you signed on to, I believe I place my faith and trust. I want to follow Jesus. Then it's kind of, hey, This is what it looks like. And what we want to do a lot of times is I love Jesus. I love most of the stuff in here. But some of this stuff seems like there should be an expiration date on it, especially as it relates to sex. And so we kind of do what we want to do and then still expect to get what God wants for us. And what we have said is you got to understand, man, that the way you're treating romance and sex right now, what you're doing, the habits you're creating, you're packing what you're going to lug later and you are feeding appetites and you are feeding temptation and we said this last week that the enemy always uses forbidden fruit we always think of like when i find her i can just stop clicking it's going to be fine and she's going to be enough or once i find the right girl it's going to be fine these aren't the right girls i'm just having fun i'm not ready for a relationship or or whatever the temptation is in marriage like if i could just get past that what you don't understand is the enemy always uses forbidden fruit so what is the object of your affection right now is going to change later and a lot of times we feed something before marriage, think that we can just end it and go our way. And then we get on the other side of the marriage. And because we have fed those appetites and fed those temptations and fed those lusts because they are appetites, all of a sudden the enemy brings another temptation because he is much more clever than that. And all of a sudden we have this appetite that we have fed that has grown, that it's very difficult for us to shut off. And what you're, what you're packing today God can heal you, but you are gonna lug it tomorrow. And so, like, it's, it's a big deal. Here's another thing that, um, in Hebrews, Paul wrote this. He said, watch out, this is an Old Testament story if you don't know, it, watch out for the Esau syndrome. Trading away God's lifelong gift to satisfy a short-term appetite. And listen, God, we said this throughout the series, God, God can forgive you and God can restore, absolutely. But God has even a higher good than just forgiving you. Like God can treat sexual scars. God can also just prevent them. God can lead you um, into a better way. So here, I love this quote by Tyndall Baldwin. If you've got a teenager, you should go look her up and find her book. But I love this quote from her. And then I'm gonna dive into this passage. What do you do when your body wants what your heart knows is wrong? Like, what do you do? Because at some level, How you handle your sexual expression, how you handle relationship, it's going to set the direction for a lot of your life. It's just a fact. And so what do you do? And this is for everybody. You're 55, you're 15. What do you do when your body wants what your heart knows is wrong? Because Solomon says, listen, above everything else, make sure you guard your heart. Make sure you guard your soul because it's coming with you everywhere you go. So here's what I want to look at. There's this Old Testament story, this narrative that I believe happened in history, and um, I say this a lot, but I believe it because Jesus referenced the Old Testament, and Jesus rose from the dead, and so that's a lot of like that's a lot of authority. So I'm gonna I'm gonna believe Jesus um, despite my freshman English professor and like. I believe it's legit. So, the story, the narrative in the Old Testament starts like any other Old Testament story or any kind of Bible story, even if you haven't been around it. Um, There's a couple who can't have a baby. Um, An angel comes to them, says, You're going to have a boy. Does this sound familiar? Um, And and I'm not talking about Mary and having, like, and he's going to be special. He's going to have a unique destiny, a unique calling. And the guy's name was Samson. So it starts like any other like Bible story kind of almost cliche. Angel comes, you're gonna have a baby. He's gonna be a boy. He's gonna be special. Um, but it was true. And so they had Samson, and Samson was to take a Nazarite vow, which I won't go into the backstory, but couldn't cut his hair, couldn't drink wine, um, couldn't uh, touch anything dead. And it was like this ceremonially, you know, where, where you're being set apart to be used by God in a special way because God has a special calling for your life. So. Samson's parents kind of raised him with this idea, Um, but Samson had one issue. He had this extraordinary destiny and calling, but he constantly allowed his desires to get in the way, and his desires weren't wrong. But the context with which he used them got in the way of everything that God wanted to do in his life. So, where I want to pick it up is, is Samson became a border guard, basically, and so Israel and he was he was a Jewish guy, Samson was. Israel was basically at war with the Philistines, or the Philistines were their enemies. God had set apart Israel as, like, this, this chosen nation in order to for God to, like, show off, hey, here's what it looks like to have a relationship with God because eventually I'm going to offer this to the whole world. And the Philistines were these, like, really, there were a lot of wickedness, a lot of idolatry, a lot of craziness, and so they were enemies of Israel. So Samson gets a job as a border guard, like, trying to find somebody to build a wall and pay for it, and they couldn't. And so Samson, you're going to be the guy that's going to protect the Israelites from the Philistines. And here's the thing about Samson, you maybe know this. Again, if you, even if you haven't been around the church, um, he was getting, and I thought that joke was way funnier than you gave me credit for, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> Samson had this special measure of strength that was given by God. I think he looked normal at some level. I don't think he was like the most cut, ripped guy you've ever seen because that's what made it so extraordinary. God's spirit was just on Samson in a special way. He could do things that were beyond what a normal human dude could do. So there he is, apparently from the narrative, he's a good leader um, and he's on the, this you know, border guard patrol. It's what he did, but he had one problem. He kept moving at night or on the weekends into Philistine territory. Like the way I think about it, like he's constantly going down into Tijuana on the other side and waking up the next morning with like a new tattoo in the back of an El Camino. And he doesn't, like you didn't know what happened. And then he's doing the walk of shame back to the border. Like it, uh, Samson, you're wearing the same clothes that you were wearing yesterday. You can't go down there. Like there are enemies. Like, You can't do that. Constantly, it was Samson's problem over and over and over again. And so the narrative picks up in judges, and I'd love for you to see this. If you would download the Centerpoint app um, maybe you could do it right now you could see all this. there's notes in there. there's the scriptures. it's going to be on these screens. But uh, one thing I, I want to try to do is engage people with the scriptures. Some of you are intimidated. you don't need to be nearly as intimidated as you are. And so in Judges 14:1, Old Testament, middle, go left. Here it is. Samson went down to Timnah, and here it starts, and saw there a young Philistine woman. And when he returned, he said to his father and mother, I have, se- like, I have seen, like, this is the one, right person. I have seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. And if you're a mom, first of all, you're like, who are you talking to? <laughs> Like, well, you may have superhuman strength, but you're about to get slapped. Like, go get her for me. And so verse 3, his father and mother replied, Is, Isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives? So he's living in, in southern Israel somewhere. Um, <laughs> Isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives? There's a lot more cultural context to that. Or among all our people, must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? And again, this had nothing to do with, there was was nothing racial about this. This was God's chosen people is Israel. The Philistines are... Like they're crazy. There's a bunch of idol worship, these barbaric practices at times. And so if you go down there, it's, it's not going to be good for what God wants to do. And the real chief concern is that if you go down and find a girl there, is it's going to lead you into idol worship. It's going to lead you into idolatry and all kinds of other crazy stuff, because that was the history of the nation of Israel. That's what they did over and over again. So that's the, that's the why behind it. And so Samson said to his father, get her for me. She is the right one for me. It's like what we do. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah no, 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 no. We, we have a pretty bad track record, but it's, it's right for me. It's gonna work out for me. It's gonna be okay for me. Like, it's all right. So I, I just wonder for some of you, where, maybe it's something in your marriage. Maybe you're in singleness right now. You're looking for some things. You're in a relationship. And, and there's one or two people that are a voice in your life that you don't wanna hear, There's one or two people that you're trying to tune out. And you have a a number of reasons why you're trying to tune them out. And you have the idea, even if you are given very objective evidence of maybe this isn't a good thing, it's just right for me. It's going to work out for me. It's all right. Uh, Somehow I'll circumvent whatever happened. All these other hundreds of people are just morons. It's going to work out for me. So Samson finds this girl and he goes down into Philistine territory to marry her because she wants it in her church in her hometown. So he goes down there. You can read the story. He makes a fool of all of these people who are after him. I mean, Samson does some damage. Um, they get so angry because he's the enemy that he, they take his girl that he's just married, and they marry her off to somebody else. And then she gets, at the, at the end of this part of the narrative, she ends up getting burned to death. So the relationship didn't work out. <laughs> and then Samson... Finds another Philistine woman, because he just keeps down into Tijuana. He will not stay on his side of the border. Finds another Philistine woman, goes in, same thing's going to happen again. I mean, just repeating the same deal over again. And once again, they're after him. I mean, it, you read the narrative. Like, he, he kills hundreds of Philistine people. He's a one-man army. He has, at some level, decimated their economy. And so thereafter, them, after him, they try to take him down um, in the narrative. He, he basically uses God's gift, uses what God has given him for a purpose outside of what God wanted and shuts these guys down, handles them. And, but the whole thing ends badly again. And then, and if they like, there's a soundtrack, this is when the soundtrack changes. And then, and then there is Delilah. And now he's really, he's really found the one. Like, no, th- this is the one. I know you got burned alive thing. That was unfortunate. But this is, this is legit. This, this, this is the one, and it's, it's going to work out. And at this point, at this point in the narrative as you're reading this, you're like, can any person be this stupid? <laughs> and not just man, man, woman, whatever. Can anybody, can anybody get that controlled and inflamed and captive to their sexual desires to be this stupid? And the answer is, yes, "Yes, we can. You can. I can. And and here's the thing. At some level, it all started back with Samson wasn't listening to the right voices. Samson wasn't listening to the right people. Samson tuned out the very people that he should have leaned in to listen to. And for some of us, like we're in the same place right now where you're leaning into some voices and it may not be a person. It, it may be a group. It may be, as we said in the series, a cultural mindset that is so easy to lean into to go, well, every, like everybody else is, everybody else. And not listening to the right voice. I, I, like I wonder right now, if some of you like are on the verge of there's a DM sitting there and you got a decision to make. Some of you are are in an office setting and you know you're crossing a line emotionally. For some of you, you're you're deep in a porn addiction and there's freedom, but you won't get any help. And I think the question is, and if we could have been there with Samson, because we have the benefit of of seeing the whole narrative put together, we know how it's going to end. If we could have been there with Samson, I think the question was, hey, you think it's worth it? Do you think this is going to be worth it? Do you, do you think it's worth, like some of us right now are leaning into voices? Let me just talk to single people for just a second. Are leaning into voices where it's just we need to shut them down. <laughs> of hey, I just think I like I love you and I just need you and I da 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 finish however that ends. Or you know, like I, just, I think we just need to move in together. I think that's I, we need to see if we're compatible and you know, actually, can I just say this the whole compatibility thing? <laughs> Okay, compatibility is an observation. It's not a reason for anything. Like, I don't need to draw you diagrams. We don't need to go to that level. But, like, the compatibility question has been answered. You are compatible. Like, that. you're compatible, in fact, with thousands of people. And so, or maybe you're, you're listening to the, well, you know, God wouldn't have given me these desires if he didn't want me to fulfill them. So you put the God card in there, which is um, brilliant. Or marriage is just a certificate. It's not that big a deal. I mean, whatever the thing is. But I just want to tell some of you, maybe it's just for one person. I don't know who this is for. But you need to shut down those voices. For some of you, you, and I, this is a hard thing, I don't know what it's gonna require, you may need to shut down the relationship, but there is something in you, something in your heart, something in your soul, something you're on the verge of, and you just know, and you're not leaning into the right voices, and you are listening to the wrong voices, and whatever you gotta do, you gotta free yourself, because you have a destiny, and you have a calling, and God wants to do something through your life, and it's not gonna be worth it. And so whatever you've gotta do to shut the mouth of whatever those voices are you need to do it and sometimes the voices are the enemy because the enemy is going to come at you during that same time and use lies like the you're running out of time lie and we start to make decisions that are based off of or predicated on fear come on You serve a God that holds your time in his hands and he knows the future and he cares for you and he has something good. You need to shut down the lie of there is not enough time. God knows what he's doing. God knows where he's going and God knows what he has for your life. And the best thing you could do today is just shut down those voices. Free yourself from those Voices. And I know that some of you are like, you are so naive, man. But come on, I'm following the guy who invented sex. And maybe the joke's on you. M- maybe there's more to what God has laid out than you, you realize that God really is for you. And I know some of you, you know three or four stories in your story. I, I could literally tell you a hundred plus stories or more. And so, there he is, and he is beginning to feed an ap- appetite, Samson is, and it starts to take hold in that moment, and it's going to sabotage things. He right there is packing some things that he's going to lug into his future. And so you look at it and go, can anybody be that stupid? But our own history says, yes, we, we can be that stupid. So I think it actually happened. And so Judges sixteen four, skip ahead, it says, sometime later, he fell in love with a woman in the Valley of Sorek. <laughs> like, get out of Tijuana, Samson, Stop. His name was Delilah. And then verse 5, because all of his enemies are trying to capture him, all the Philistines, the rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, See if you can lure. Meaning, and I don't fish at all, but like you know what allure is. Like it's something disguised to look like something else, but it's got hooks in it. See if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength. Love this story. And how, you, how, you, how we, Philistines, can overpower him so that we may tie him up and subdue him. And each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. This is difficult to like, I mean, currency exchange from a couple thousand years ago, but it's somewhere around $90,000. I mean, it is a, it's a chunk of change that she's getting. And then, are you ready for this? So Delilah said to Samson, Tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. <laughs> what? And Sam, like why Samson is not running out the door right now is beyond me. I don't know if he saw some ancient 50 shades kind of perversion, and there's something that's keeping him around, but Samson. Dude, what are you doing? And so th- How can, and again, and this isn't, I don't think this is like he walks in the door. This is lure. This is like candles. This is, I'm setting you up. Bruno Mars is playing in the background. This is, I have orchestrated this and I'm ready. In verse seven, Samson answered her, If anyone ties me up with seven fresh thongs, in this context, that's ropes, you don't get sidetracked. (laughs) Seven fresh ropes. That have not been dried, I'll become as weak. And this is so so powerful, so discouraging, so this is for a whole generation. I'll become as weak as any other man. Any other person. And, And if you could be there, you just, Samson, you're not any other person. God God has something special for your life. God has a destiny and a calling and a very unique will for you. And, and you're willing to trade it and be like everybody else, think like everybody else, do what everybody else does. Can, can I just say this right now to you? And I know some of you are, that even as we're going through this series, there's memories that it brings to the surface, there are things in your past that you're, you're starting to look back to. Again, it's why it's made some of this uncomfortable. But can I just tell you this, that no matter how old you are right now, no matter how young you are right now, no matter what the past looks like for you right now, that you at some level, you stand right where Samson does on the other side of Jesus coming and ushering in something new on planet earth that God has something unique and specific for you. And I know many of you don't see it. And you grew up in an environment where you didn't have parents to tell you that. Or you got into some places where you actually were told the opposite of that. Or you've done some things and you've accumulated some dysfunction and you've gotten into some habits and you've wasted some time. But even in spite of all of that, God has a calling. God has a will. God has a destiny for your life. And Jesus came not just to give forgiveness. Jesus came to redeem and restore and usher in a subversive, upside down kingdom and environment you to play a part and he is waiting on you to play a part if you would step into his will for your life and so you just need to know you 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 as a follower of Jesus have not been created or you're not like every other person everybody's made in the image of God but not everybody is following God's destiny and will and desire for their life and so why would you try to be like everybody else And so verse 8, then the rulers of the Philistines brought her seven fresh thongs, ropes that had been dried, and she tied him with them. And so he's drunk, he's passed out, he's tied up. And here's the interesting, temptations always come when you are at your weakest. And the enemy knows that. like, It might be through stress and anxiety. Um, It might be a with depression. It may be you're in a season of life with your kids or whatever. You're just kind of out of control. And what do we do when we're out of control is we try to control something else. It it may be you're you're just in a place where it's, um, you just feel vulnerable. They just walked out, whatever it is. But the the enemy always wants to hit you when you are at your weakest. And, And the problem with that is in that moment, that thing, or in this context, that person, it'll feel like your happiness is riding on them. Why Samson didn't run. And so with men hidden in the room, these voyeuristic dudes in the room, she called him, Samson, the Philistines are up on you. But he snapped the thongs as easily as a piece of string snaps when it comes close to a flame. So the secret of his strength was not discovered. And at that point, you're thinking, Sam, okay, now you've got to realize and run. (laughs) Mm -mm. And then Delilah said to Samson, this is all time. You have made a fool of me. You lied to me. I can't trust you anymore. You just tried to tie me up <laughs> in my room, and then you called out for dudes that were under the bed. And you're, pulling, you're, you're trying to turn this around on me that you can't trust me that I lied to you? And so Delilah said to Samson, you made a fool of me, you lied to me, so come now tell me how you can be tied. So with everything that just happened, you're like, and there Samson is, well, this time if you get new ropes and tie me with new ropes, then that'll work, does that, calls for the guys again, snaps them like it's no thing whatsoever, the new ropes can't hold him down either, God's spirit is on him. And then verse 13, Delilah then said to Samson, until now, you've been making a fool of me and lying to me. Tell me how you can be tied. Okay, Samson, seriously, now, now? Samson's like, well, <laughs> if you go get a sewing machine and then you put my hair in it and you give me a weave, once you give, my, give me a weave, then, then my strength is good. That's the secret and I don't know if Sam's like making this up on the spot, but. And again, you're thinking as you're looking at this can anybody be that stupid? And some of you, as couples, won't even look at each other right now. <laughs> if you knew my story, um, Verse 15, he said to him, how can they say I love you or you say I love you when you won't confide to me? This is the ter- third time you've made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. And, with, and this is just in the text. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day after day until he was tired to death. So the sex didn't work, but her nagging got through. So verse 17, so he told her everything. I'm just reading the text. <laughs> no, So this is, this is him talking to Delilah. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I have been a Nazarite set apart, set apart, set apart to God since birth. In this moment, you would just think, he's going to wake up. Now he's going to wake up. And just kind of the fog's gonna lift and he's gonna go, why why am why am I here? He's been set apart to God. I can't emphasize this enough. If if you have, if you've embraced Jesus and you're following Jesus, you have been set apart to God. And Samson has no idea, Samson has no idea that this is gonna be the moment that's gonna keep him from his destiny. And all that God wants to do in his life. And it's crazy for some of us because all it takes is a moment. And this is the difficult tension that we've been kind of living in in this series. Is that God can redeem and restore and move anything forward. God is fully able. But there's some decisions that you can't get back. And there's some decisions that can get in the way. And they are good desires. But in this moment, Solomon is going to allow those good desires a gift from God to hinder his calling forever. And, and sometimes all it takes is a moment. All it takes sometimes is a swipe. All it takes is the amount of time it takes you to book the reservation. And it could change everything. And so there he is and he tells the secret to her and says, if my head is, were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak. And here it is again. I'd come as weak as, as any other man. Any other person. I'll be just like everybody else. And so he gets drunk, he gets passed out. Once he passes out, she gets the razor and probably with a smile on her face, thinking about how she's gonna spend all that money, she starts to shave Samson's head and calls out again, yells. He jumps up and for the first time, he realizes that God's special anointing and power, it ain't there. And so the Philistines seized him and this is pretty graphic and gruesome. And gouged out his eyes. And I just wonder this because, like, this part of this is my imagination, but I wonder if the last person he saw was Delilah. And I wonder if the last thought that he had was how did I not see this? And, you know, I wonder this, too. I wonder, I wonder if there was a moment of, in his freedom of sexual expression, because you can do whatever you want. I wonder, I wonder if he thought about the fact that his freedom of sexual expression now was leading him to be imprisoned by the very culture that he copied. I wonder if he thought about that. And so he took him down to Gaza And they bound him with bronze shackles and they set him to grinding the grain in the prison. And you know, God's gonna get glory and God's gonna use you either way and God still used Samson. But not in the way Samson wanted and not in the way that God, I think, had designed for him and he died in shackles and that was it. So let me wind all this down to just just say this to you, that, that your desires are good, but your desires can keep you from your destiny, depending on how you use them. And it has nothing to do with God's love and God's forgiveness and God's mercy. It has nothing to do with any of that. It has everything to do with God has a unique calling for your life. God has a unique destiny. God has a unique will for your life. I just want you to hear me. You have been set apart And what you do in the area of your desires and how you use them and whether you trust God with them, it could determine everything. And here's the thing, I say this a lot, you have no idea what God wants to do through you. You're 55 and you're starting to give up hope and the relationship is not that great. You have no idea what God could still do through you. You're 15 and you're on the verge of something, you're just kind of setting out. You have no idea what God wants to do through you. And one of the major factors is going to be what do you do with your desires? Will you trust God in this area? Will you trust him with everything including and this kind of sounds weird, your body? Like will you surrender your body to God to go God, I'm giving you I'm giving you everything because you have something for my life. I'm telling you, this is the greatest thing parents that you could teach your kids. Talk about sex. We had a Facebook Live about it the other day. Incredibly important. Be real. Be specific. But, you know, the chief aim is not to go talk to them about, hey, watch out because you might get a venereal disease or on and on it goes. The, the chief aim behind all of our teaching is God loves you. And God has a plan for your life. And hey, buddy, hey, Ryder, God has a destiny for you to change the world. You've been set apart. He wants to do something unique through you. And and you can can do whatever you want. and, And God can heal your scars. And God can put things back together. But hey, buddy, I just want you to know you have a calling in front of you. You have a destiny in front of you. God wants to do something in your life. And so it's never an issue of sex. It's never an issue of money. It's never an issue of what is right in front of you. It's an issue of a perfect heavenly father who sent his son Jesus, who did everything for us, who paid the ultimate penalty for us, who removed the wrath and the condemnation of sin so we don't have to be under it anymore regardless of what sexual decisions that you've made. And now he's saying to you and to me, I want you to change the world and I've invited you into my kingdom movement and so play your part. And so the reason that you Trust me in this is because what I have is better and I don't want you to miss it. That is the motivation. And so what you've got to, what you've got to determine, and again, I'm talking to you if you're 68, I'm talking to you if you're eight, you've got to determine, and I think this is a whole nother series because this is, this is what we don't do. What that so easily sidetracks us is you have to determine what you value most. What do you value most? What do you value most? Like for me, the thing that I'm trying to to be kind of the the catalyst or the heartbeat behind all my decisions right now, and and it is so imperfect, but the thing that I want to keep focusing on is I'm living for 70. If God still gives me breath in my lungs, if if I'm still around, I'm living for 70, meaning what I do now, I'm thinking about how are my kids going to view me at 70, what kind of relationship do I want with my kids? What kind of relationship do I want in my, with my wife? What kind, of, like, what kind of deposits and decisions do I want to make now living for that moment? Like, where, where do I want to be? I love this quote by Levi Lesko, is that now yells louder, but later always lasts longer. Now it's Like there's something in front of you. It seems like your happiness is at stake. You you so want to just, I want to move down in that direction. But, and it yells so loud. They yell so loud. The voices of culture are so deafening, but later always lasts longer. And, And you can't, you can't follow and get in the moment, everything you want and still get everything that God wants for you. And his love ain't going anywhere. But it's an issue of are you going to trust him and are you going to follow him? So I know some of you are at a place where, like, okay, yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. I get it. And I really do love Jesus, but I'm not doing any of that. And I just think some of that is like, so I, I get that. But let, let me just, I want to finish by reading a couple of verses by Paul. Another Jewish man writing to a Gentile audience into a culture that they really, man, I mean, it was out of control. And he says this message paraphrase, since we want to become spiritually one with the master, we must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment and intimacy, leaving us more lonely than ever. The kind of sex that can never, never become one. Or didn't, didn't you realize? And the reason he writes that is because they really didn't realize. For a bunch of you in this room or listening or listening on radio, wherever you're at, you didn't realize, you didn't know. And that's why God's invitation is from, from now on. I, I, I want to lead you away from where you've been into something better because a lot of you, you just didn't know that your body is a sacred place, the place of the Holy Spirit. That If you place your faith and trust in Christ in New Testament economy, there's no more sacred places. There's just sacred people. Indwelt by the Spirit of God, don't you see that you can't live however you please, squandering what God paid such a high price for? Because he's for you. And the physical part of you is not some piece of property belonging to the spiritual part of you. God, he owns the whole thing, the whole works. You don't belong to you. So let people see God in and through your spirit-indwelt body. And so, this is going to sound kind of weird. Have you ever thought about surrendering your body to God? Have you ever thought about, like God, every every area of my life, every part of my life, including my body, I'm gonna surrender to you because you have a destiny for me and you've placed some good desires in me, but I don't wanna allow those desires to be perverted where I miss my destiny. I miss all that God wanted to do in my life. One of the things I write in my journal that I just pray over and over again is, is God, I wanna find contentment and it's not about like achieving some specific mark. The biggest thing for me is God, I know that you have a will for my life and I just don't wanna miss it. I wanna I want, I want to achieve all that you have for me. And so what if you surrendered everything and like a good parent, your heavenly father says like, I've created some parameters because I love you and I wanna set you up for success and I am for you. And a lot of you know that because one of the things that a lot of us would go back and change is some of the decisions that we've made around sex and romance and relationships. And so what if God really does have a destiny and a will for your life? And what if you came to the place to go, God, I'm gonna surrender my body to you, which means I'm gonna surrender what I do with my desires. And I just, I want you to lead me and I want you to do something through me. And the last thing, there is no doubt that a series like this for some of you, it's just without, I've, I've tried the, to have the grace of Jesus to just lead the way, but it just stirs up shame for some of you. It just brings guilt to the surface starts to play on some some memories maybe some haunting reminders that you you'd kind of forgotten and it's why this is uncomfortable they, they start to come back up again and i just i just want to tell you i've said it over and over again but we just need to hear it again in this moment and for some of you by the power of the holy spirit he's gonna he's gonna tattoo this on your heart so that you can walk out of here in freedom god can redeem and restore anything And no matter what has come from your past, specifically if you're a follower of Jesus or if you ever accept the invitation to be a follower of Jesus, it means that your body becomes an indwelled temple of the Holy Spirit, meaning him bringing all of his power in all of his authority and all of his strength, the same spirit, the scripture says, that raised Jesus from the dead. And that spirit that brings dead people to life can reach into any kind of sexual past. It can reach into any kind of perversion. It can breed life into any kind of dead marriage. It can move into that haunting reminder of all of those sexual partners. It can move into that space and that place that you've never told anybody else but you're still carrying the memory. It can move into that relationship now at 50 years old that seems beyond repair. The Spirit of God can move into any circumstance, any relationship, any dysfunction, any past, any shame and shut it down and breathe life and give you a hope and give you a future and restore it. And you need to know that for some of you, that shame in this moment needs to be released. And what your savior is inviting you into is from now on, from now on, do not buy into the enemy's lies because of what you've done, you cannot move forward. The cross says otherwise. From now on, from now on, from now on, Jesus, I surrender my, my body to you. And the promises that Jesus will do in you and through you what you can't even imagine, even in the realm of sex and romance, to experience his best. But you gotta step out and you gotta believe him and you've got to surrender. And so the, the question is just this as we walk out of here today. What do you do? Any age, any background, what do you do Your body wants what your heart knows is wrong. Guard your heart, guard your soul with everything in you. And in this moment, let this be our from now on moment where the spirit of God can come in and invade and he can take some, it seemed too late circumstances and do what he specializes in. Taking those too late circumstances and drawing them out of their shame and actually using them as a platform for his grace and for his glory. Would you stand with me all over the house? Hey, thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed this message, would you do us a favor and rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher? You can actually now listen to us on Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. Basically, this just helps us get the message of Jesus out to more people. And the other thing I would say is we would love for you to join us at one of our gatherings. One of the things we work really hard at is to create a safe place for people to be able to ask questions, to be able to investigate and grow in their faith if they're longtime followers of Jesus. And one of the things that we say a lot is regardless of what background you're coming from, you can belong here before you believe. And so if you want more information about our church, our location, service times, just go to our website at centerpointfl.org.